Come As You Are is a space where women with disabilities talk about their experiences of love, sex, intimacy, and a whole lot more. Listen in for some illuminating, thoughtful, and yes, entertaining conversations too. Today, I'm in conversation with Deepa Narsimhan, a Bangalore-based professional. She leads diversity, equity, and inclusion for a leading global programmatic media partner. She was diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy as a toddler, and her condition deteriorated as she grew up. Today, she uses a wheelchair and has limited movement in her fingers too. But Deepa is many things. She's also a whiz with a computer, loves lipstick, and has an active social life. From using ASL on internet chat rooms, remember those? To writing love letters and fending off boys who were too uncool to deserve her, she's done it all. Let's hear from Deepa about landing her flight in the journey of finding love, as she calls it. Hi Deepa, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Hi Samya, thank you so much for having me and it's a pleasure to get connected onto your podcast. Great. So to begin with Deepa, could you tell me a little bit about your disability? Uh, what was it? When was it diagnosed? And what is your condition today? Yeah, so my condition is um, sort of a neuromuscular condition. It, it's called the spinal muscular atrophy. Um, it also falls under a rare disability where the neuro and the motor neuron, uh, you know, deteriorates over a period of time. So I got diagnosed when I was six months old. Maybe it was like an onset from the birth itself, but uh, only when the mobility wasn't there as a child, uh, the earlier milestones, only then my mom found out that there was something different in me. So, yeah, so I think the, the condition is pretty rare and the onset of to understand, you know, if something was, you know, uh, the condition is there was also pretty late in my childhood. Um, so, yeah, it's been there forever with me. And uh, so... The whole point is it just deteriorates the whole muscle base. So the mobility becomes more and more difficult as I grow older. And I've seen that throughout my uh, life. So how exactly has it impacted your mobility today? Has it, what has it done? Where are you at today? Yeah, so, yeah. So um, it was a very gradual deterioration. Like I was able to stand, um, you know, walk for a few steps. I was able to do a whole lot of things with my hands, like write, um, eat on my own. Um, and today with all, I have lost everything, um, you know, and, you know, one now I'm on a wheelchair, so there's no standing option at all. And then second, uh, my movements in my hands have completely stopped. So I just have some mobility on my fingers. And I see that it's vastly deteriorated during the COVID times. So it is an ongoing struggle that I am aware that I'm losing some muscle. Uh, like neck control or it could be even speech slurs sometime but i've been able to do some therapy for which is keeping me up and alive um but yeah so it's been deteriorating over a period so currently i can just move up my fingers okay so uh deepa you told me earlier that you know you've had to drop out of school as a teenager because of accessibility issues uh, which is a problem across india and of course globally as well 
what was your relationship with your body at that time considering that it was your body that was limiting you from doing certain things and from living a so called normal life how did you engage with it then and how do you engage with it today how has that relationship um, changed yeah so the relationship with my body um definitely uh, i knew it from very earlier in my life that i had a sort of a different um scenario within me i had to struggle um you know so i was very aware even my mom used to say when i was just 6 months old i used to make these noises right just to grab attention to get that toy or something around me um and so she was like you were very vocal even before right you know like kids starts talking only about like i think a year or above i was able to talk within 8 months calling amma because i wanted to have attention because i need things around me so i knew there was a different way to you know get myself going with the limitation of movement so i've you know known that struggle quite a bit and with the deterioration i know that you know i i may be able to do something in the morning by evening you know if i'm tired i may not be able to do the same thing like in the morning i you know maybe i had a cup of coffee without spilling it in my you know teens but in the evening maybe i'm like you know struggling to hold that cup of coffee right so i knew those struggles pretty much right but at the same time i think embracing that came later part of my teen i will you know kind of walk kind of let you know how you know i broke those but initially it was just um figuring out how to do things um figuring out and also letting it go sometimes i'm like ah if i'm not able to do if i'm tired i'm like yeah i'm tired i was really called the lazy girl at home because they really felt i was very lazy to do something but it was not that i was lazy it's just that i couldn't push it more beyond certain limit and it was you know it was the whole condition right um that came into me not being as normal as other kids um and you know school or even dropping out of school being at home everything was very unique to me because of this disability right where um you know my iq levels my intellectual levels my way of communicating has always been at a very hyper end because that's how i think that's a survival mode you know they always say when there is you know your body naturally goes to a survival mode so i think my communication has been great um you know uh, but of the uh, place where i've not been able to access be it school and all of that has been a struggle so i was dropped out of the school um high school so i did go only to uh the school till the grade 7th and then i couldn't because high school was far away from home it was a girls education uh, like girls um ed so i couldn't go to that school because um you know my uncle used to drop me to school uh right until i was in the 7th and later they were not allowed to come into the school campus um so those kind of struggles and you know every uh like class period we had to keep changing the classroom like so you have to grab your books go to the ground floor for say a math class for example and that we requested the principal saying hey can we have all the classes in one classroom so that deepa can be accommodated i was the only one in that entire school uh, they refused to do that because while everyone is running around for different and teachers are not coming why would they make a entire shift to just accommodate my request right so that wasn't considered so i had to naturally be at home and um 
I also know, you know, if I recall, I didn't have my parents push me to study further or even like ask me if I'm reading a book or anything like that. But all of those naturally came to me. Maybe that's why they didn't push me or something like that. So, um, so I started studying from home. So I used to have a home tutor who used to come home and teach me um, subjects. And I pretty much wrote my 10th, my 12th, and uh, of course my online degree program, right? So all of that studies were at home and uh, life went on. So the struggle with my body has always been there, but I've found ways, you know, to kind of figure it out. So I think it's the other part which kept me going. What about today? What is your relationship with your body today as your condition makes it harder for you, as your condition deteriorates? How do you engage with your body today? When I talk about engaging with our bodies, again, it's a very um, ableist concept, right? We talk about things like body positivity and fitness and just generally inhabiting this physical, muscular, skeletal, uh, you know, structure that we're all born with. What is your relationship with that? Is it one of anger? Is it one of acceptance? Is it? Can you just talk to me a little bit about that? It's a bit of a philosophical question, but I think it also has very real practical implications for the way we look at ourselves. Like, like literally, how do we inhabit this body? How do you engage with it today as things have changed? Yeah, yeah. so I will again go back to my childhood for how I'm able to embrace it today. Like. For example, it's about how do we um, kind of get integrated with, like, say, the environment around you. So in my childhood, if I wanted to play something, right, I used to make those games more inclusive. So if it is like a, a game where, you know, you hop, it's like a hop game where you hop. I was, uh, you know, told to walk on those numbers, right, and not hop on those numbers since hopping wasn't an option. These are those street games in India. Exactly. Yeah, those street games. So I was, you know, creating my own rules um, and people around me, like my, you know, friends or my cousins who used to play to me, accepted those rules. Right. So I was well, you know, planned to see how I can involve myself be it in a game. Um, you know, I used to be more like, you know, playing Antakshari and all of that, which I used to play really well. Um, so they were games. So my body or myself, right, where I was able to involve and get engaged um, earlier in my life. So having said that, um, you know, from a disability standpoint, it was, like I said, a struggle because um, of the deterioration and, you know, the muscle weakness. Um, I really can't, um, you know, if I want to really, you know, explain how I feel is, just think about like if you've ran for 10 hours a day, you know, in a day you've ran 10 hours, like how would your muscles feel? It used to, you know, maybe you feel like taking a break, sitting down, yeah. not do anything. That's how my muscles feel even otherwise, right? It's always tired. Maybe it's, uh, it feels exhausted very easily. That's how my muscles are. So while I know those struggles, um, you know, one, um, I have one, you know, embraced it, like saying this is my condition, this is my disability, so I need to, you know, be with it. So one acceptance is a big part in me, where I couldn't when I was in a teen age, um, especially when I, you know, when I uh, started uh, having my periods uh, during that transition, um, I felt some of the privacy in a girl wasn't there for me because one, I needed help and support. 
second, um, I was being more aware of my body then, um, right, which made me even more, say, both comfortable and embracing, saying, you know, I need to embrace this, right, and along with someone who's going to be helping me because I knew I needed help. So you were more conscious of your body, like we all, we all become in puberty, yeah. Exactly, very conscious at, from my, you know, earlier teens. And at, this, at the same time, I also had this why me for a very long time. Acceptance didn't come very easy to me. I was like, because I knew my, my siblings were going to school, they were having a normal life. Um, I saw my parents going to like work. Um, they were doing their own things. So I was like, why me? Why am I getting this affected? Because I didn't see anyone around me, be it my um, second cousins or even my first cousins or anyone around my family have the similar kind of disability. So I was the only odd one out, which, you know, felt very different. So my granny used to like kind of tell me to, you know, kind of embrace. She used to, you know, give me a lot of power. I feel today, you know, my mom and my grandmother are the strongest pillar that I have seen. Um, they used to say the kind of struggles that they have gone through right, in their life period, that made me aware that it's not just the struggle of mine alone, but there are different kind of struggles in life, right, and we all need to overcome those. Um, so that made me more stronger, being around them, I think it's always the life lessons which gives us more, you know, ways to lead our life, right, so I think that was a big exposure to me, uh, you know, with my grandmom and my mom. Um, so those were the things. So today my body, I know I'm going through a different phase. I've, you know, um, had the midlife crisis already. I know how it feels. I'm like kind of dealing with it a bit in the fag end of it. I think I'm more better now after COVID. I, you know, it's like life goes on. Um, and uh, so me and my relationship with the body has definitely experienced a whole lot of um, empathy, embracing, love, um, you know, care. I take a lot of care, uh, you know, for myself. Um, and I'm always um, sort of trending, I would say, because my sister is like, how come you're like, you know, like all these new clothes? <laughs> so yes. you're on top of fashion trends. And... Fashion, yes. So I love to keep myself, um, you know, more you know, lively, um, all of that, right? And the central part of me is very there, very much there. Um, so I love, I love all of that. So today, you know, I would say I'm so aware of it, so in love with what me and I have created for myself. Um, so that's where I am today. So, you know, when you were talking about being trendy and being on top of fashion trends, etc., and things like that, when we look at these concepts and these ideas that what is fed to us in mainstream media, again, it only centers non-disabled persons. You know, when you see love stories or when you see even romance novels or when you see models, you don't see people in wheelchairs. Um, you know, people who are non-disabled are the ones who are centered in lipstick ads and things like that. And we all internalize those narratives. What did it take for you uh, to embrace you know, all of that for yourself that, hey, this is for me too. And like you said, you love your body, you love, you love taking care of it, you love being fashionable, you love being on top of all these things. Can you tell me a little bit about that journey? Yeah, 
you know, so the reflection that I didn't see myself in the society was pretty much there from a very young age, right? So um, I always felt that odd girl out everywhere, uh, right? And I always have also felt that I don't fit in. Like, for example, if my sister went to a cultural you know, in her school or college wearing a sari, I felt maybe that's not my piece of cake, right? Uh, maybe sari is something that I can't wear. And uh, during a phase when I was like very depressed about myself, you know, those teen, adult, you know, that, you know, era, I was not ready to wear anything. I used to just be so plain, you know, um, you know, with very old clothes, I used to not take care of myself um, because, like you said, I didn't see a representation myself anywhere. It was not. It was all about um, idealism. It was about beauty. It was about fairness. It was about like how your posture is. You know how tall, sleek you are. You know it's been there in our. You know around us all the time. Um, but at the same time, I felt when I started accepting, when I started, um, you know, accessing like social media, which was very unique to my, you know, I, I started researching, you know, about my disability. I started, you know, um, being aware of uh, communities which are alive uh, for a very long time. I'm talking about like 10, 15 years where we had, you know, um, these um, blogs where, you know, people used to talk about similar uh, community engagement, right? So where, you know, be it for diseases or be it for uh, same kind of likes, you know, if you love music, you know, there used to be a lot of people who love those kind of music. So they can share and talk about it. So I was part of such you know, online um, communities where I could share what my condition was. At the same time, I had my own blogs, um, right, where I used to kind of have my paintings, um, like a sad one, but still like write about my life, what's happening. Um, but a lot of people came back and said, you're creative. Um, you know, you should try something more, you know, you you're so positive in energy when you express yourself. Things like that made me want to reflect what is what is that in me, right? And then slowly it moved uh, like I needed to be um, getting out of this four wall barrier, right? That's what that was my first initial thing that I thought saying being at home for a really long time. I think this is not my piece of thing. I need to get out because I was making um, I had my web designing, you know, from home. I was making money, but all of those didn't translate into me expressing myself anywhere. Um, so bring... and dressing up, wearing jewelry, all of that stuff is a way of expressing. Exactly. Yourself, right. Your internal world is reflected in your in the way and you're a very lively, chirpy energetic person so i guess that helped you sort of embrace all these outer trappings of vanity so to speak exactly absolutely so that got me going and um and that changed me completely i changed the way i dressed i changed the way i um you know felt myself you know in front of everyone because i didn't see myself in the more oh my god i'm different mode I felt I was very unique. I need to embrace that, right? Like I need to be powered. Um, so I think that got me going and that changed me. Like even if I reflect back my photo, um, like say 10, 15 years back, the way I was to what I am now, it's a complete transformation. And I know it didn't happen on a day or two, but it really took its own time. But today it's about 
you know, like, um, this is me, you know, I think maybe this is the way I am. Um, I love to be one unique, I would never say I'm different, but more unique in my perspective, my thoughts, my way of doing things. Um, and I like to, you know, show myself. So I have been in like, say, TED Talks, talking about, you know, disability and dating. I've talking about fashion and disability. Um, you know, I got myself a sari, which was ready made that I could wear, um, you know, so uh, and also being an advocate in the space, right? Being, you know, someone who took a lead, right? To show everyone that, hey, you know, even if there's no one, I think I can lead it today. I've been able to do that upfront. Um, so I think somewhere it started with me first accepting, then, you know, taking a lead. So today I don't see that, um, you know, oh my God, there's nobody because there's so much changes that's happening in the society. You know, we see a lot of inclusion, be it from a fashion space, from a social space. Um, movies have reflected a lot when it comes to how disability is reflected. So I think we are progressing, right? But of course, when I started, it was just me alone, which I think gave me a good, you know, positivity to come out of that shell. So Deepa, what's your uh, fashion style? Like, what's your sense of fashion? What's your sense of beauty, skincare, all of that? Like, would you, I'd like to hear a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, so my skincare means I'm so hooked to the current YouTube trenders, like who, you know, talk about um, <laughs> skincare or I love the curly girl routine. That's my current trend. I love it, um, you know, and definitely like catching up with the trend you know you know experiencing products which are more newer in the market um is something that i've done for ages like i used to have like i i you know regularly visited parlors where i could get my you know skincare my hair done all of that right so i still continue um so my fashion is you know catching the trend <laughs> being out there and definitely now i'm experiencing that um, adaptive clothing is very important. So I've started some, you know, of my voices around like saying, maybe if I'm not wearing them, I'm advocating for people who are designing them, right? At least saying, you know, we need to and I'm encouraging them to build more. Um, so adaptive clothing is something that I'm looking forward to, you know, in the next era. And um, so those are the things. So it's always about how adaptable we are to the current ways and how we can show ourselves, right, you know, um, up and lively. So for me, those are the trends. Um, yeah, like I love my skin, uh, you know, to keep it, you know, more supple, you know, hydrated, all of that. So my even my health routine, you know, kind of consists everything that kind of takes care of my skin, my hair. So my mom and my parents love the way I kind of do it, right? Um, you know, even my, you know, sister-in-law or my sister really says that, I know you're doing so many things, you're working, you're, you know, up for so many things, but still there is a routine for your body, right? Or your care for your, um, you know, like yourself and internal and external, right? So they always like kind of see that uniqueness in me. Like I practice yoga, 
right every day you know i start my day with yoga i think those are the things that you know maybe even yoga the stretches maybe i'm not possible but just the breathing exercise i'm sure my body is more controlled my Correct. you know my soul is more aligned i feel that right so i think those are the things that enable me um the enable that energy inside me so yeah that's me <laughs> So do you enjoy jewelry do you enjoy lipstick like what's your thing what do you like is it sneakers is it i don't know Right so I love a lot of lipsticks I'm a lipstick person I I have like tons loads of lipstick I love to explore them and I love to take care of them as well um so the shelf life isn't like you know gone out so I'd love to keep, take care of my products um I'm also a, you know love jewelry I you know gold is my thing to go I I know it's too traditional but at the same time I think born to a ayur hindu family i think right. gold is something that comes yeah very so i love gold um and um i love clothes i love i buy a lot of clothes so i can easily so you're a uh, big shopper repeat, big big shopper yes <laughs> my wardrobe is like high and fashionable and i can go without repeating the clothes for at least 4 months 4 to 5 months yeah wow that's pretty cool <laughs> yes <laughs> So you know speaking of ableist concepts we just talked a little bit about engaging with the body another concept that i find quite engaging uh, and that i wanted to talk to you about was about you know our sexuality and our intimacy needs and our relationships etc and things like that again we don't see uh, disabled persons mainstreamed or centered in these narratives uh, when we look at media when we look at conversations etc things like that so for you i mean how when and from whom i mean how did you start learning about your body how did you start learning about your sexuality about relationships about intimacy can you talk to me a little bit about the process of discovery what did you learn like what did you unlearn who did you learn from yeah so there's a lot of funny incidents on how i learned myself the sexuality part and how i explored certain things um from my childhood so i was not a student you know who attended the anatomy class if i'm not wrong you know with the talk about like the body parts right i think they you know kind of you know talk that about in like grade 8 if i'm not wrong so i had my um although in indian classrooms i mean the way we're taught we just they just skip over those chapters or they don't talk about it at all because of second hand embarrassment so <laughs> exactly so and i recall the day where you know my friends came home and explained what happened all the giggles in the classroom um, and like you said probably they didn't even cover that subject it was just said you know we'll move on to the next one but i know the kind of things that happened post that class because though i was not in the class there was so much experience shared um someone who kind of used that pencil to you know kind of let you know experience their vagina which was like really how did they do that something like that right? so i remember talking that day with a bunch of girls who came you know from school just to say a hi to me in the evening right so those were the days and um i was pretty exposed to computers pretty early in my life like when i think computers was there very new to india or something like that so i had a laptop sorry i had a pc personal computer and um and it wasn't connected to the internet back then but 
I was just exploring games until then. And the day when I got access to the internet, I think that's where everything landed <laughs> into my, you know, um, space of like awareness or whatever you call light <laughs> when it comes to what sex and what is, you know, human body and everything. It was a discovery. It must have been a massive transformational discovery about a world that I guess you hadn't really exactly. known of in that much detail. Exactly. Absolutely. Completely. And um, I remember like the day where, um, you know, I in my PC had like a hidden file, a pornography file where one of my cousins had left it and I accidentally happened. I, and I knew many things, you know, on how to hack um you know how to code even back then so finding a hidden file wasn't like a big thing for me so i found that file and that's when i really you know it kind of <laughs> one, definitely shocked me yes it was like a big shock um and i think those were the exposures that i got initially in my childhood right like in my teens i would say um so that's where i think i understood um not about my sexuality, but I knew the whole anatomy of it. You were also a very social person. You had, you always had lots of friends, lots of cousins, um, and you also learned a lot about these things from them, right? You would play matchmaker, there would be blank calls, there would be all this stuff. Can you tell me about that whole process of discovery that we all go through, you know, that we sort of suddenly understand that, oh, there's this world and there's boys and there's girls and there's sex, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I think uh, those were, you know, the days where my grandmom used to feel, how come there's like a ring on the phone, but no one talks to me when I pick up the phone, right? And and when you talk to, when you pick up the phone, you talk, you're talking at least for at least 20, 30 minutes, what's happening, right? So I used to get these blank calls, I used to pick up, right? And it, the, these were friends of my cousins in the classroom. So I used to make a lot of uh, friends. Um, they used to call me and we used to go out like, you know, have Pani Puri those days um, or say Gobi Manchuri. I think those were the sweet spots for us to just go and hang around. So I think for me, um, socializing or making friends or even having crushes, that infatuation started at very young age. Um, so I used to express myself writing you know, uh, letters, uh, you know, I wouldn't say them love letters, but just letters which express, you know, my feelings, um, the love for the person. Um, I also wrote some poems those back days. So I think expressing was quite in me, buying gifts. I think those are the biggest part in me. Um, and I used to have, you know, nowadays we call it online dating and we have so many dating apps. Back then the Yahoo chat was the dating app, I would say. Right. Uh, you know, like people who say ping you and ask what's your ASL. Right. You know, we start from those kind of conversation. Right. Um, so I've experienced that I've had like a long term friendship for a very long time where we shared like gifts, where we shared, um, you know, we used to talk online for long hours. Um, it, it was more a sort of I think that childhood or infatuation that I had that time. Um, so I've experienced that quite a bit. And for me, love um, and the feeling was always there, right? And, you know, love made me, you know, feel very empowered. I knew that that feeling gave me more energy. So 
um, I think uh, love and the intimacy part of it later when I really understood what intimacy was I think you know I was able to kind of you know um, experience it as well right in my life so which is so unique and I think um, for me disability or non-disability I really don't know I think it's unique to everyone and um, it's a it's a very special feeling to everyone so yeah so for me that's that's been my life you know always fun always going um, and expressing myself to the core so uh, you know the boy you met on Yahoo chat etc that you had a long relationship with would you call him your first crush your first boyfriend <laughs> Um, I can because we were definitely sharing I love you <laughs> very easily, <laughs> right? How and sweet. I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen him. I have, I have no identity of that person, um, right, in life, but I only know his voice. I know that we've, you know, kind of, like I said, shared gifts. Like I did like a good painting and I shared it and he sent me something like a teddy bear or something like that. And this was out of Bangalore. So it was like mm -hmm. a long distance. Um, yeah, that was my first crush, yes. Um, and then suddenly one day nothing happened, right? It just like everything stopped. And I was like, wow, where did he disappear? And I think even I disappeared for some time because I was trying to explore something else, um, you know. So I think, yes, that was my, he was my first <laughs> crush per se in my yeah, earlier days. Right. Uh, so Adipa, another thing that I wanted to ask you, um, how did you again engage with these ideas of chat rooms and boyfriends and crushes, etc., when you didn't see yourself represented in these narratives? Like no one among your friends had a disability, you know, no one that you saw on TV or no one's, no friend's boyfriend that you saw was with someone who was disabled or something of that sort. So again, how did you get to the point where you were able to embrace it and be like, you know what, this is the full human experience and I'm entitled to that too. And it's okay. And it's fine. You know, I can be in love and I can have crushes and I can want to have sex or whatever it is. Yeah. So I think one, you know, I didn't see myself in the light of, hey, like, is there someone else that I can, you know, be like them? But like I said, the uniqueness of me has always been able to express myself so you know um i've been on like all the dating apps i've put my full profile picture i've never put only my face um, right. right i've been very open um and i've had a lot of interest like swipe right has always been the go um <laughs> i'm not sure <laughs> like how many you know people like really want to like date someone on a wheelchair but i had a lot of people saying yes to me uh, i didn't have so much time to explore every person who said yes to me um so so for me i i think somewhere um since i had you know no filters in me saying that i'm not entitled or anything like that so i was fully expressive right i didn't take myself short in any which ways um that kept me going um at the same time um you know i did see a lot of uh like i said you know i was on facebook there are these groups where you can talk to similar kind of people you know in the similar condition i've seen them live life they're married they have children um maybe that was also a good exposure for me later part right while I had no inhibitions to do all of this, but it
gave me a little more, I would say, you know, like open saying, yeah, why not me as well, right? If I need to marry someone or have a child. Right. So maybe that was the part. Um, but like I said, I didn't stop myself at all. But I remember asking my mom, like, how come, like, when, you know, my sister was, like, 23, she's like, oh, we should get her married, like, we should put her matrimony, blah, blah, blah. How, I was like, how did you miss out when I was 23? Right? You didn't so get I remember about asking, that. Yes, yes, she didn't. Uh, and even I didn't at that time, but later I had this question. Um, and she said... She hadn't thought of you as a, as a possibility, basically. She didn't, yeah, absolutely. And she was, she was maybe very, I would say, um, I don't know the right word, but she was a bit protective, um, right? And she was like, not sure if the society is ready for someone like me. So she took it for sure saying, it's going to be difficult, but if you find someone in your life, we are more than willing to go that extreme level to make it happen for you it's you know up to you but if you want to go the the traditional way of matrimony page and they weren't sure if that's going to be successful or if that's going to turn out well right so they they were very protective they wanted to safeguard me in every possible ways um so i think from their end that's truth even if i was a parent to um a girl who was you know, like me, I would protect my child, right? I think that protectiveness comes from, securing them comes from. We don't want any emotional harm, right, later in the future. But one, they are very, very supportive of me going all out, find myself anyone, and they would be in there to support me. I think that's a big part in my family who is the strongest pillar, I would say. So... Yeah, but they haven't seen me in that light, that kind of, you know, how the society reflects. I'm sure that's a good representation. If my parents, you know, feel that maybe you can find someone, but I'm not sure if the society is ready. So they lean in more to the society. Um, yeah, that is something un not under control. So we talked a little bit about your discovery of concepts of love and sex and intimacy and relationships and things like that. Are you able to discuss these matters at all, um, you know, marriage or sex, etc., openly with close ones? What are their attitudes and responses to uh, this facet of your personality, of this facet of your life? Because like you said, uh, even close ones, even people who you consider pillars of support, etc., for various reasons and for reasons of what society might say or how they might treat you, had not really stretch their imagination, so to speak, to think of including you in that story, in that narrative, in that possibility of having a relationship or getting married? Yeah, so for me, um, you know, if I, if I, you know, take my family perspective, I'll come back to it. I think that's, that's more societal, that's more how Indian families or even like, you know, generally people don't talk in families, uh, let alone I wasn't opening up, right? I'm sure like no one opens up these topics in the family, but like sure with friends, you know, with my boyfriends or, um, you know, with people whom I wanted to, like, for example, you know, far, I think way back I'd gone to a gynecologist. I had some, you know, issues on my periods. The first thing she asked me, when was the last thing you had sex? 
right? So I think that was like very empowering question to me. Like I didn't get offended with that. I'm like, wow, okay, she thinks like I'm active there, right? I think that. That's wonderful. Uh, yeah, that's wonderful, isn't it? So I think that is amazing. Um, I've had some amazing, like. you know discussions with my close friends about sex it's you know and we always talk about like all the fun parts that we have and men definitely has hit on me um i know that um so so for me expressing and you know having myself included into the same um experience or conversation and sharing i think it's been pretty equal um from a family lens yes we don't uh, speak um i think i'm sure they know that i am full a girl who is more social i'm sure they must have figured out especially my parents must have figured out like she knows her way um but we haven't spoken right but when it comes to say marriage or when it comes to um the the you know the whole part of how families want to settle their children that topic definitely has been a barrier we've discussed about it how come like i said how come you didn't ask me if i want to get married well how come there was no matrimony profile of mine right so my mom was like okay i'm going to create a matrimony profile now i'm like i'm too old now you know and this was i'm talking when i was in early 30s right so these conversation we have had um so for me um knowing what others like really talk about sexuality sex and intimacy i think i'm aware of it like because of all of these discussion like i remember one of my friends saying hey ice cream is a lot more pleasure than like sex right i'm like why do you want to say that <laughs> just like you know why deeper you know that's the reality right like ice creams are wonderful <laughs> so things like that so we've had like our fun we've had like um you know what is it to also experience um you know uh, erotism right erotic uh, ones right so i think those are for me not been a barrier to discuss um so my expression my experience have definitely been very up i would say um so i've you know one they have included me and i've included myself i would say um so i'm a party goer you know i've you know asked like i don't know like i've gone for night clubbings and things which hasn't stopped me at all right from being who i am um so that's me but from a family wise yes i don't think any family even today like are open for certain discussions um right and that's that's the way that's the part we have lived and brought up right and my you know siblings have been very open to me they uh, definitely have encouraged me to explore um they know i've you know had you know love affairs love um someone that i really wanted to go ahead and marry they i you know like did tell them about him all of that they were quite aware of those uh, incidents right and i kept them part of it very close um made them aware of where i am heading my future so yeah that's that's been pretty easy i would say so again then it doesn't sound like this process of discovery was too lonely for you you did have people with whom you could discuss these matters especially like 
you know, even when you're a non-disabled person, like you mentioned in India, we have so, lit so little conversation around sex. We don't have sex positive conversations, right? Even when you're a non-disabled person. So there's just another layer of marginalization added, I would imagine, when you're a person with disabilities. But it doesn't seem like you had that kind of experience. It wasn't a lonely yeah. process of discovery for you, was it? Like you did Absolutely have people that no. you could ask questions of or things that you could learn from, etc. Exactly. I think um, uh, maybe I have had like, um, you know, cousins and friends of my same age. So we kind of explored things together. Um, so I didn't face it, uh, you know, all by myself um, at all, right, to be honest. And um, I've, I've, you know, kind of been the person, like a go-to person, right? Um, <laughs> for you have like all the information. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was a go-to gang. Uh, and I was more, I, I used to like do research and let them know that this is thing, you know, and apps nowadays are more easy. People know how to like have, you know, have apps. But even then before uh, I, you know, taught one of my friends how to track her ovulation time and things like that. So for me, it wasn't like I was out of that topic, right? Because one, like my, in my house, we've had so many uh, my, you know, my sister or my sister go through pregnancy, so I know the real matter of deal, right? So I knew how to also educate that to say a friend who is in need uh, of the same similar things. So, so for me, one like, uh, like you said, it wasn't a lonely process at all. Uh, second, um, I've I've always had men who was like always around me, so. Uh, you know, like I didn't feel that I didn't experience anything, right? So I, you know, be it like the first time kiss to hug to whatever it is. I think I've had that experiences. Maybe that made me more what I am today, right? It didn't make me feel that I am not doing all of that or I'm someone who's left alone. Um, so it is, it's been good. While on the contrary, um, do I know people with disabilities, um, you know, don't get access to it? Um, at the current time, I think, um, you know, I would not say the, it, it's more about yourself, right? It's more about how you want to um, be seen or how you want to be in that space, right? Um, and if you're an introvert, yes, you're going to take some time. Um, but if you're someone like me, um, I think it wouldn't take time at all, right? You know, you have so many mediums that you can express, that you can get in, um, you know, get someone uh, talking, you can express yourself, um, all of that. So even in the current generation, I don't think disability should be a big barrier, but it's of the individual, right? How they start exploring. So. Um, if someone is like definitely hearing this podcast, anyone, I think these are very important part of your life, you know, start exploring, don't like hold back yourself. Yeah, that's what I would love to say. Right, that's wonderful. So, you know, talking of these experiences, um, like you're saying, people think that there is that you're not a possibility, right? People assume that disabled people just don't have sex or just don't have relationships, etc. Where you also gave a TED talk on this entire, you know, the the about dating and disability and things like that. Once you became a public figure, once um, you became an advocate for these matters, you obviously learned about these things. But what does an average person sort of, you know, need to know, or what would you like to say to 
non-disabled persons who look at you know disabled persons as just non-sexual as that who erase that entire part of that uh, of their of their life of their personality you know and how can you find information about these matters if you are a disabled person as well like is there erotica are there sex toys are there dating apps uh, so two parts to this question basically one is what would you like to say to the community as well as those who are not from the community about hey you know we're not non-sexual secondly how can you access this information you're a public figure so you obviously you know you have the knowledge but what about the average person on the street yeah so one you know for someone um you know who wants to date someone with a disability i think my ted talk is a good place to go i have like tips for um say especially a man dating a woman because that was you know especially for a woman um dating uh with a disability right so it has a lot of tips so please go watch my ted talk uh, but apart from that there's so much resources available right just you know you can find it on google what are the things that you don't uh, do on your first date right if someone is on a wheelchair there's so many um uh, resources that's there online um today you know if someone is includable right you know wants to include someone in their dating life or in their um uh, you know love life someone with a difference or someone with a disability i think you have all the information out there right um you know for you to explore so i would say take that one step to understand that person to understand um what that person likes so it is very similar to what you would do even if the person is non disabled for example right you would definitely know what their interests are you know what how they would love to be treated and how do you want to express yourself that your love so i think all the rules apply same even for a someone with a disability right um but you know to take that first step you are more you should be more willing to um get into their space right disability is not a barrier but at the same time maybe you know disability has a way that the person has adapted him or herself right knowing that is pretty important right and knowing about their disability sometimes is even more empowering to know how you can support them right if you're in love so those are my go to things i would say for someone who wants to um you know be includable right so there's always uh, you know there's there's even episodes on includable relationships right where you talk about you know how two people from a difference come together in a love relationship right there are so many episodes on that so go ahead and watch them right be aware of you know and when you see their stories maybe you don't even feel that's any different to a very normal typical relationship maybe it's more empowering that's what i've seen right because one it goes beyond certain limit of you know awareness uh, right within themselves here it's also about being more aware of their disability or being more about their needs um and embracing everything together so i think those are the first steps for someone who wants to date someone with a disability or a difference for example and um you know to your second question i think it's more about like how we are going to experience it right um you know in this era right you can find uh dating apps which are very related for persons with disability and you also have 
every other like a regular dating app right i've always been on a regular one i've never put myself into a disability dating app it's not that i don't want to be shown as someone who's you know um, not with a disability nothing like that but i wanted to be more open to everyone i didn't want to limit myself to certain audience for example right or certain uh, group of people but i wanted to be more explorative myself um so that was me so a person who wants to go above and beyond needs to figure those steps right on how they how they can find forums that can make them includable right and um it's always you know one way um you know you walk that one path and you expect the other person right and i've always been very very vocal about what my um you know what my condition is you know what are the small things that i love that i don't love um uh, that i like so expressing myself is also very important in this process um right so i've been able to do that very clearly um and that empowers me right saying that i know what i love i know what i don't love um about a person treating me this way right um so those are the things i don't know if i completely answered all your questions somia but you know these are the initial steps that i wanted to um let anyone know who are in the place for um dating and you know being includable right no that um, that pretty much covers it so basically there's information available online for it as there is for anything else but you need to make the effort and that needs to come from both the person who is disabled and wants to date as well as someone who may be non disabled and wants to date a disabled person that's what you're saying yeah right? absolutely and exploring yourself right yes yes i you know i think you didn't call out saying you know are there sex talks available are yes. there um you know things Erotica, that you can explore. Yeah. Uh, yeah like i think those are the things as well that someone you know of course it's available had you just you know go online you put your information you would know what is available what's not available and what are your needs based on that so i think exploring you know is is quite up to that person right and i have done it you know pleasure i think pleasure is um a very part of life that everyone needs i think it's a um, fundamental part of human existence right of the human exactly. experience exactly exactly so why stop yourself right um and um i knew like one of my friend who had like a disability you know who who used to ask me i i love that girl you know can you introduce me to her and you know all of that i used to tell him like why don't you get yourself introduced right drop in a message um you know because the he got to know her so well that he knows her number he knows her name everything but why stop yourself right so i think um and he ticked uh, he definitely took all of those inputs that i gave and he was like okay fine i'm going to take that courage go talk to her i did go well you know it's not like you know she didn't respond back she did respond really well um so i think it's about that you know self confidence uh, that you have a bit of you uh, that you can show right um, definitely goes a long way so yeah and you know it, all of this you do and you don't find love you know love is a very complicated one i would definitely not talk about love but um definitely sexuality and expressing is something that you know like you said is a life thing and everyone needs to have it 
So, you know, speaking of that, um, I also wanted to touch upon something, which is that while you've obviously had very sex positive experiences, where you've been a very social outgoing person, you, you've been able to express yourself, you've had relationships, etc. Not everyone has similar experiences, right? I think there's a function also of um, your education, your personality, your class, all those privileges come into play and sort of interact in a way to make you available or desirable enough. Uh, so have you also had negative experiences you know while you've been on these dating apps have you had people i don't know um be unkind to you about your disability have there can you talk to me a little bit about both the positive and the negative experiences uh, you know surrounding love sex and intimacy that that have touched upon your disability yeah so the negative ones i wouldn't say them negative but sometimes it's more about the person is more inquisitive about to understand hey, are you like, you know, available for dating? That was the first, I'm on a dating app. Is that the first question, right? Like, so those, yes, um, definitely are something that I would say, like, maybe they're not aware or maybe they're, I don't know, right? They're, they lack that experience, maybe, right? I wouldn't like swipe right for them. <laughs> you know, I would hold myself back, uh, especially on a dating app right if someone asked that as a first question right um, but at the same time there's been pl plenty of positive ones right where they you know and i'm just like experiencing like you know sharing messages of the responses that i've received right one i love your uh, love the way you've you know like put up your photos right um would love to catch up with you would love to meet you know have a talk go on a date i think these are very positive which, which is all the normal right would like who wouldn't want to receive such messages isn't it so i think um but there's also some exploratory side right how do you want to do things right how how can like you know sex you know is it is it different is it same so, you know, for me, those questions, I Have know how to... Have people asked those questions of you? On a dating app, I think it happens uh, when you go so after... So, do you think like... it comes out of ignorance or just curiosity? And how do you deal with that? Like, do you respond? Does it make you angry or do you feel it's your... Do you feel like it's important to educate them or whatever? How do you... Yeah, so I feel I feel um, it's, it's when they ask, right? What period, like when, what type of... Um, timeline are you right even in a dating app like it, it can't be on the second day or the first day or whatever right so you know and and yeah letting them know you know after you want to get connected if you know them well after a certain period of time I think it's in, it isn't like a big thing you know um, exploring how you know to do and how are the ways I think it's absolutely fine right because um, my disability needs certain support and you know letting them know letting that person know that these are my needs are not going to be something that i'm going to hold back if i feel intimated towards them as well right and i would love to know how they like it as well so it's i think it's more about exploring um i don't feel any anything wrong in that um right and like i said it's it's also on the time when they ask those questions Right. So that I'm sure, you know, if someone is not like, you know, really sure, I would know that in the first go itself that it doesn't make sense to move on. So, yeah. Have people ever rejected you because of your disability? Has that happened? Have people ever been patronizing 
saying how can you I... expect like me a non-disabled man for an example to be with you or something of that sort can you tell me about those kind of attitudes also that we encounter so i've rejected a lot of people to be honest <laughs> you know <laughs> um well done you have high standards that's great yeah like i feel there are certain types that i love and if that is, doesn't go my you know those ways and i'm i'm sure to say no um i've done that um and people that i've um really loved and have proposed have all of them have said yes and now when i say all of them it doesn't mean like have like a ton loads of them um <laughs> but i have i have a good experience of a relationship which was very long like 3 years um you know and above um so they all have accepted my proposal so no one has rejected me um even uh, i wouldn't say it was like straight no um even if they had to like we i was in a wrong relationship and you know when that didn't work we knew both of us knew that we had to you know part away because of the circumstances it was not like no after that right it was because of certain uh changes and situation we had to part ourselves so which was a well um talk through process and not something which was just abrupt right so i haven't experienced any such you know um person who said no to me at all um which has been very positive i've i've said no to a lot of people who kind of flirt a lot i'm like oh my god i can't take it more than this right so that's been my experience um but yeah pretty and touch it maybe it's uh like i said it needs that um positivity it needs that confidence um you know from the person first you know uh, who's giving it and taking it uh right i think that is the first go and i've always been very confident in my relationships so that sounds amazing <laughs> what about the larger network and framework around uh you know like your partners etc and i'm not saying just you specifically personally i just mean generally like even if you meet someone say a man or even a woman if you're a disabled man and you meet a non disabled woman and vice versa and they are obviously in love with you and you have a great relationship etc and i've heard this from other people like families get involved especially in india right and then it becomes a matter of oh but how can you why should you marry a disabled person you know so what about that those kind of attitudes have you ever encountered stuff like that has it you know how have you navigated those kind of complexes as well that we have to deal with in this country and then like i said a further layer of marginalization because you're a disabled person they may not consider yeah. you a good enough match so to speak um thankfully i have not crossed that path somia because i've been happy in a relationship happy in love uh, i haven't stepped into the whole like you said families coming together right i haven't been in that stage yet and i'm sure that's a very complex um complex you know place to be in i'm sure there are too many people and like you said it's also about like generation gaps um i'm sure there's you know going to be a lot of conversation around like you said why someone you know uh, with a disability or i'm sure that those are something that's very evidently 
if I go that path, I might need to be more confident in me. Um, and my partner needs to be more confident to be able to take that path together. It's not just me. I can't be the one who's going to take all of that, isn't it? Like, I need that partner, uh, you know, who can take those uh, questions as well, uh, or be in that whole situation, you know, to support each other. So um, I know it is complex. Um, and um, for me, somewhere i feel our society needs to be a more aware i think the more awareness uh, you know nowadays social media has brought in a lot of awareness um, i feel it's better but still the whole um, stigma around few things haven't gone right um, so it's going to take more time right for the generation gap to be filled um, I'm sure technology is playing an humongous role today if I want like if my parents need to know that I'm going to marry someone I know I have done loads of resources to just show them saying hey I'm not the only one like check right. out these people right and get yourself comfortable right and then come back to me ask questions Right, so I think I can bring I can bring that light to them somehow, right? I don't have to take all of it on me to prove the world. Um, so that gives me a bit amount of confidence, and of course, well planning. You know, these are things that you commit for your life and yourself to it. Um, I'm sure those things are much needed from a planning. Um, how do you want to take it forward, right? Um, so. It is a hard one, you know, from a mindset wise, but I'm sure I know how to tackle it. Um, I'm sure anyone now, even like, for example, someone in an LGBTQ community, right? There's so much, you know, resources that's available, right? They're able to, you know, come out to their parents, not be closeted at home. Um, you know, I'm sure someone is struggling out there, um, right? Who needs that little push, um, you know, to, you know, be themselves, for example, but I'm sure they have a lot of resources that's available to them. So it's it's just a matter of how do you bring everyone into it, right? And um, right. yeah. Do you get these questions from, uh, you know, other persons with disabilities as well, from persons in the disability, disabled community? Like, do you, do you hear good bad experiences of these things is there is there a community that can actually get together and talk about these things etc in india and i'm talking specifically again about uh, love about sex about intimacy because these are things that we just don't talk about when it comes to disability in india since you are a public figure uh, you know do you have like friends or do you have people around you, colleagues, etc., who are who may also be disabled and can you have these conversations with them? Is there awareness? Is there a community? Um, for me, um, you know, the community, of course, is there. There is like, say, I would again go back to smaller communities on like social media, which, which could be more around Facebook groups, um, which talks about sexuality and I'm part of you of it, um, you know, and um, we openly talk about like, you know, how to deal with certain things, be it in the limitations and all of that, right? So yes, there are groups that is available. Um, is it more like visibly available in India? I don't think so. Uh, these are some things which is online that you can find, you know, platforms, right? And of course, I've had my friends um, who are 
having a similar struggle but not very similar but something similar and you know we've been able to sh- share our lives right and um but they're not good examples right even you know when you you know even tell me hey deepa like you know you've been there you've done it yes i have but it's not like i've done something different than any of my friends would have done in the circle because one you know it, it doesn't go beyond certain level like i said relationship love um but i i really don't know if society has moved that needle yet right i can't um really experience anything you know uh vibrant out there right some examples right of you know couples who are um getting past that line but i know some great uh friends who have crossed that path right who have married who have children you know who are out there um and sometimes it's also the individual choices right when they see um disability you know has its own you know i would say metaphor where one you have to embrace yourself one you you know struggle through so much um you know from an external world that that's thrown at you you struggle negativity from family or yourself all of that you mitigate all of this and then love is the biggest thing that comes to you and if someone starts with a negativity i think they also feel that it's not my cup of tea very soon right so giving up becomes the easiest part in this community whereas um more than thriving and embracing it right so i myself you know sometimes i'm like it's fine right you know i can just be um powerful you know i i can be more um lovable to myself i can be single happy you know going all of that but down the lane i know that that's not going to be the way i wanted myself to be um i really saw myself having someone you know as a partner right um and i'm still exploring so if you ask me is there more available yes in pockets it's not very vibrant um and everyone needs to go through it in their own terms i would say right and if i wanted to ask you like how does your gender interact with your uh, you know sexual and intimate needs and your relationship needs etc because again there's patriarchy anyway uh, and again what i see when i've been talking to a lot of people in the community is that it's often okay for a non disabled woman to be with a disabled man but not vice versa you know then they think they're marrying up but then in this way they think they're marrying down if you know is so to speak so how does your gender interact with that secondly how would it be different if you were a man like how about concepts of bodily autonomy about consent those kind of things how does your gender interact yeah i think that has a big big role i think you uh, definitely have heard from the community and you're right saying that um uh, the families are embracing if it's a man who's um you know a person with disability in that family the parents or the family would go a bit more to find someone for them right um find a life partner for them for example right and they wouldn't shy away right if it was a man and i've had this conversation even in my family i'm sure if i was a man i would have got like the beautiful girl uh isn't it right because exactly yeah it is it is there it's true it it is there uh, whereas there is uh, apprehension when it's a woman with disability saying she would not be included otherwise right um 
so there is there is that difference uh, i'm sure if i was a man with the same disability i could have lived much more um easier it's not that i'm struggling i've made myself easier i needed to create that life which was easier for me um but um being a man especially in india i think even with a disability you don't face those barriers um you can still find your way um at least from a societal love relationship or marriage right i'm sure there is a lot of struggle for love right if you you know i hope you know you understand what i mean but more from a societal yeah. i think it might be a bit more easier right the conversation might must have popped up families would have been more supportive um right in that so i think it still exists so can someone just break that i'm sure i think the society needs to you know be more um forward looking right i don't think it's a person of an individual who can change it right it's not about me or someone like me you know who can change this right it's more about the society um and it's more about how we build the future right how do we ensure our kids are more aware right um so i think that needs to come um there is more awareness say someone needs to find a job how come that came into picture right um i'm sure many parents now you know if they have someone uh, you know that ch- children with a disability they want them to f- find a job uh, make money i'm sure those things have embraced because they've seen a lot of people go to work they've seen them live independent so there's so much like hey you know Correct. what like my children can also do my child can also go to work but what happens otherwise right why aren't you able to see the other ones and why should we figure out ourselves right while you know someone is um figuring out all of those aspects right even other ways the need for companionship the need for love exactly yeah the fully yeah. human experience exactly yeah. so i think that's a big gap um and i have no answer or i, I don't have like a, a thing to it but like i said you know um we are being more aware but at the same time um we are dwelling upon too many things now so it's the rationality so gender is a factor gender is a factor then exactly it does yeah gender with these matters it does it does I've, and i've seen it very vibrant open right with this difference um yeah maybe you know we need to bring awareness on that but like you said there is this gap um that's even there otherwise right someone who you know has divorced um or been divorced like the men gets more proposal than the women um Correct. right and get remarried also and women after divorce women often stay single after that in india exactly and there's so much that goes in between psychologically for that woman to face uh the society or if the women lost her husband right um goes through so much right it's not her fault but still um she has to go through a lot so in the society so these things are still exist um so yeah it, it's how it is but we need to bring more awareness and i'm sure now you know with women standing on their own 
uh, length of life, like be it their education, be it their financial independence, um, all of that is empowering them to take a stand for themselves. Uh, that is empowering to see and that I think parents or their family members should embrace, um, right, for them to move forward. Like, and that's what I see in my family, you know, they are very open, um, they're very, uh, I would say, proactive to say that, um, you know, you are an independent woman, right? Nothing, nothing for us to stop you, right? You are the person that you need to decide. So empower us at least if you're not able to support us. Um, yeah. Uh, Deepa, have you ever come across the attitude that a disabled person is only good enough for another disabled person to date or have sex with or be in a relationship with? Um, that you're treated as less than and you're not good enough, so to speak, for a non-disabled person or partner. Like, can you talk to me about that from the whole dating perspective? When you went on your dates as well, are you considered a possibility for non-disabled persons as well? And generally, what is, how does the community feel about it? Yeah, so I think, yes, it is something that is... Um... That, that is in the society where someone with a disability, like for example, if someone is blind, you know, can definitely marry a blind, um, right? That's because maybe they can go well with each other, right? Um, those kind of things. But, um, you know, again, you know, I'll go back to what society still stands. Like I said, it's still far behind from where we need the society to be empowering and um, uh, enabling, you know, everyone. It's still the whole patriarchy system that still exists, like what man versus um, women. Um, so it's still there. I, I wouldn't say it's, you know, completely uh, ruled out. Um, but, you know, more of like, you know, someone with a disability having another person with a disability or even otherwise they say if the person is a little more poorer, they would be supportive, right? If the man is disabled, maybe get someone from a poor background or a more socio economic, like economically not well to do family. So maybe they will be supportive. I think these exist even today, even otherwise, uh, right? Where um, these kind of matching up and pairing still exist in our societies, right? So I wouldn't say any different with the, um, you know the whole tag of disability right it's still complex like i said when this matchmaking matrimony comes into picture um and uh, it's strange that the society behaves and you know kind of leans in that way right so but i've i haven't experienced anything like that or even my friends right haven't experienced that um maybe we were all so are you a possibility for both disabled and non-disabled people? Have you seen that kind of openness? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Um, you know, and And you didn't internalize that complex either, that you were no. only okay. N never at all. Um, because um like I said, uh, uh maybe that's because of the exposures that I have in my life. Um yeah, I've never experienced that, hey, I should find someone you know, from the community or I should find beyond the community. I was like more open for like anyone, right, who basically loves and understands me. And the attitudes you've encountered from people have also been that open. You haven't uh, yes. been told 
how can you be on like you mentioned that you were not on a disability dating app you were on a regular dating app sitting in your wheelchair you didn't get you know you didn't get to hear from people saying what makes you think you deserve to be in this space or something of that sort yeah absolutely i haven't haven't heard that one um i think uh it's always the line when the families come together with this kind of um you know you open the whole pandora box with the families you right. know um so i believe that like i said i'm not in that stage yet um um so maybe i haven't ex yeah you didn't yeah, i haven't experienced that. that at a personal level like even otherwise um like i said my friend recently got engaged and the family was pretty open right um he was someone with a disability and she didn't have a disability and you know they were quite fine with it um so i think um it was not about like you know um he had to just find someone from the community or anything like that so i think it's more progressive and it's about like again you know the whole conditioning background of the person and the families right i think that's more more important um you know because these are very progressive and we can't take a stand on who is objective to it to who is like um non objective to it in terms of gender interacting with disability um what about you know what is different about the way uh, we talk about bodily autonomy or agency or consent when it comes to a woman with disabilities versus a man with disabilities do you have any experiences around that any thoughts any anecdotes anything you would like to share um so personally i haven't had any experience around that um you know india i you know as a whole definitely for someone um you know with a disability needs a lot of support and guidance uh by that what i mean is someone like say visually impaired may need someone to cross them across the road right or someone in a wheelchair needs someone to like lift their wheelchair into a pavement or like into a mall or certain steps so there is always someone you know in uh in this whole dynamics right of support and care so it could be anyone um and i've experienced where people are very humble right wherever i go out um right when they see my wheelchair be it uh if i you know go to a eat out place if it's not accessible they come and say me madam we lift your chair right it's just a chair we lift you but i need to tell them hey it's just not a chair right i'm sitting on it it needs to be carefully handled and i know how to get that going right so i think people you know do approach want to um kind of help you at the same time there are people who stare at you right who you know doesn't make you comfortable if they're like constantly st- looking at you right um it always happens and irrespective to is it male or female i think um it's still in the society like uh, we need to build that awareness like for example if if it's someone with a visually uh, impaired hold their shoulders to walk them across right you know you can't hold any of the other body parts may be uncomfortable for that person right tap the shoulder instead of just like you know rightly walking and touching the head or something some other parts right so those are small things i'm supposed to lead them by their elbow is it shoulder yes. i work with elbow yes. always okay a- elbow and like if you want to talk to them just tap their shoulder like okay tap it gently right, just right. to get their attention right? right you cannot like you know uh, tap other parts of their body right um so tap their shoulder gently so that they get your attention um so 
like I said, these are, these are part of sensitization and we always do that in our corporate spaces, be it from a security angle, because we have a lot of people coming in. Uh, it could be our clients, it could be our customers or even employees, right? So um, we have those sensitization program that we always build. Um, so the consent is, um, again, right? You know, we always hear- yeah, like autonomy, agency over your body, etc. How does that differ if you're a man, if you're a woman with disabilities versus a man? Yeah. Um, you know, like I can just share one of, um, one of the stories where, you know, the woman was working and, um, you know, her salary was used up, right, by, by her families. And she didn't even know that um, uh, her bank account was used and she had to take permission if she wants to use her own money, right? So consent like this um, goes even beyond the body, right? You know, you don't have, um, you know, the whole, um, you know, the whole identity for, you know, using what you deserve, right? What you've gained, right? The whole dignity part of it, right? Um, so I think it's still there. Um, from a bodily concern, yes, maybe uh, if someone has an abusive, you know, family or if someone has, um, you know, inappropriate, um, you know, friend or not, not a friend, like someone who, you know, um, isn't like one, uh, given that situation or given that person, right, you know, you know, to be not aware of this, right, is something that, I don't know, we, we need to build a lot of awareness, even in schools, for example, um, you know, we have, nowadays the schools have these awareness workshops, right, the touch. Yeah, and if you, exactly, when you talk about concepts of good touch and bad touch, for example, bad touch, yes. it's bad enough if you're not taught that as, a, as someone who is a non-disabled person. When you're someone who literally needs help to be, you know, lifted or fed, etc. If you don't know about this, you're susceptible to a lot more um, assault, I would assume. Yeah, I think I think that the parents need to build it, like you said, um, you know, we need to make sure that the child or someone with a disability knows what's what's happening around them, right? Um, letting them know what is you know, how to do it and when to do it, you know. Uh, so building that, um, you know, awareness is important or training that person or an individual who's going to give that care is also important, right? And um, it goes a long way because I think caregiving itself is a big responsibility of one person, right? They're giving their heart, soul and mind, you know, to take care of the other person. So you equally have to be treated with respect. Um, so giving a right training is important if someone is having a caregiver or if someone is caring for that person um, and ensuring that, you know, nobody crosses the line, right? And making sure that the child or the teenager is aware of it, right, is very, very critical. Great. Thank you so much, Deepa. This has been an absolutely incredible uh, conversation. I love your energy. I love your vitality. I love your clarity of thought. Uh, and I just love that you are able to talk so openly about the full range of human experiences that you and all of us have with so much um, with so much joy. Uh, I think that's what that's what you spark in someone who speaks to you. You just speak with just so much openness and joy, and it's it's really great to hear that. Uh, and I'm and I'm so glad. I'm very honored and grateful that you've agreed to be a guest on my podcast. 
Thank you so much, Samia. I'm looking forward to seeing the live one. And uh, thank you uh, for having me part of your show. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store.